Welcome to another What's Current podcast by Napier, and today I'm joined by Kirsty Johnson from Surge. Hello, Kirsty. Hello. And today, guess what? We're going to be talking about all things Surge. So, Kirsty, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at Surge. So, hello, I'm Kirsty Johnson. I'm the technical director at Surge Protection Devices. I'm also a member of the IUT and I sit on the BS7671 wiring committee, so the JPAL committee for the wiring regs. Fantastic. Um, so, Kirsty, let's get back to basics a little bit. So, Surge has been around for a long time, as we know, but it seems to be quite relevant now, in, especially in Amendment 2. And obviously, in the latest uh, corrigendum, there were some alterations to that. But let's get back to basics. What does SPD stand for and what do these devices actually do? So SPD is a surge protection device. These are sometimes referred to over-voltage devices. Sometimes they're referred to as transient voltage suppression devices. They've, they've got a whole host of names, but basically they are all a surge device. They all work exactly the same. They are designed to take over-voltage out of our system and send it to work. The rest of our devices we have in our switchboards or in our consumer units are designed usually to deal with current and, and earth balance, things like that. But your surge protection device is purely there for voltage. So I always like to imagine it as the voltage goes up on the board, the surge device activates to send any of that excess voltage to earth. It then resets itself. So when I say it resets itself, all it does is change its resistance. So the whole thing with a surge protection device is done with resistance within the device. It's got components inside called metal oxide baristas, and all they do is vary their resistance depending on the voltage across it. So usually um, devices in the UK start working at about 275 volts to allow for a natural fluctuation above our 230. So at 275 volts, the device will notice the voltage has gone up, lower its resistance to practically zero to create an easier when that voltage has come back down below that 275 volts, the device will bring its resistance back up and stop that flow to earth. Now, although that takes me quite a few words to explain, it all occurs in about 25 nanoseconds. To put that right. into perspective, your, your RCD trips in about 15 to 30 milliseconds. We're talking about a thousand times faster. Your SPD will work and reset. So your SPD doing its job won't trip anything. It doesn't cause, um, you don't lose continuity of power or trip your RCDs or anything like that, it takes that that surge, sends it to earth and resets. Now, one of the very common things in the industry, and it's getting better now, but what I heard for a long time was, oh, you have to change your device out after every surge. Um, and that's not the case. Our devices, for instance, have a 10-year warranty with them. They're designed to take that surge, send it to earth, reset themselves, ready for the next one. That's, that's that was you've almost um, answered my next question because, like I say, I've heard that where like it's a one hit with these devices. Once it get you know it's more or less done for. But the, like you said, that's not true. It simply resets and it's good to go again. Is there is there a mount it will do, Kirsty, or is it like you say it will just keep going? Depends. It doesn't matter about the voltage. I mean, there, there are limits on them, but the limits are much higher than you would ever expect to be in a standard installation, unless you had a lot of issues going on. I mean, even your big lightning protection devices are designed to take a 100 kA lightning strike and then reset afterwards because all they're doing is varying their resistance. Oh, I'm glad I'm glad that's cleared that up because, like I say, I hear that a lot, that, that, once, that once they've been hit, then they're not used, so it does actually reset. Okay, that's interesting. Um, getting on to more meat on the bones then, Kirsty, and, uh, and tying in into, into the regulation. So we know regulation 
443.4.1 um, from the wiring regs talks about the circumstances where we are actually using these SBDs. So where they, where, where should we be providing those? Tell us a little bit more about that reg and, and these devices. So SPDs shall be installed anywhere. So the keyword is shall with the regs. As we know, there's that new page in the front now that gives us our our a dictionary of our regs yeah. speak. We don't use actual words in the way they're written. Um, <laughs> we like our own little language. Um, shall is something we, we essentially, it's something we really have to do. And um, we have to have a very, very good reason if we're not doing it. So we shall install surge protection where there's any risk to serious injury or loss of human life. You have to install surge protection. There was the second indent, which has been removed with a courage end where there was a safety service. Um, And then there is any loss of financial or data, risk of financial or data loss. So what that means in actual terms is when I'm talking to clients, I always say, look at a distribution board and we look at them each individually. If you've got a big installation, we've got lots of distribution boards and you'd look at it and say, right, is there any circuits on there that if they went down could cause serious injury or loss of human life? If there is, you install a surge device. Is there anything on there that could cause your client to lose a lot of money? Now it doesn't have to be, um, equipment damage. You know, it might be a PCB on a production line that could essentially get damaged. It might not be the PCB that's expensive to replace. It might be the lost production of the production line. So you've got to really get involved with your clients in terms of what's important to them and their business. Um, and then your data loss is more your data centers, server racks, that type of thing. Again, it's having that discussion with your client, what's important to them. Um, all the way really from a domestic talking about, okay, you've got X amount of thousands of pounds worth of electronics in this house, you have smart home systems, you have sensitive LEDs installed. Surge protection is something that really you should be thinking about. It's it's having that discussion. That's the key thing with these clients. And as we say, this is not just applying to um, domestic. We've got our commercial, we've got our industrial. And then we start blurring the lines when we cross into more our industrial because then we've got to start considering lightning protection systems. Um, mm. And anyway, you've got a lightning protection system. We have to consider BSCN 62305. And then any cable coming in, going out needs a surge protection device on what we go there to lightning protection devices. Yeah, it's interesting there, Kirsty, that you mentioned um, domestic settings, because I think historically, again, a bit of a myth buster, there's been been some talk in the industry that, oh, it's not needed in sort of a domestic situation. And I know from my time on the tools, these were quite common really on big industrial sites, like you say, IT IT systems, hospitals, uh, critical supplies would always always need these. But like you've just said, you know, in a domestic scenario, it could be, a, you know, a really good thing to have fitted, even if, like, it doesn't meet either of those indexes. I, I mean, I don't want to say, like, a nice to have, but an important safety feature. That's it. I mean, realistically, although the indent's been removed for safety services, it was put in for a reason. Um, and even though it's been removed now, the, the reasons behind it being removed were more to do with um, social housing and, um, you know, it stopping social housing and being able to upgrade smoke alarms due to, you know, having this extra cost that they hadn't budgeted for. But that safety service thing's still there. I mean, if your first indent is anywhere risk to life or serious injury, realistically, if anything on that board is there to protect your life, i.e. a fire alarm or anything like that, you should be considering surge protection. 
um, even if it's not okay, the wording that says it's a safety service, it's really something we should be considering. And as I said, the financial implications now in a domestic home, you've got to consider we're not a two up, two down installation anymore, you know, with uh, just basic sockets and lighting fins. Everyone, you know, we're going down this smart home feature. Everyone wants to be energy efficient. We've got EV chargers being installed everywhere. We've got PV systems being installed. Um, and then you've got just your home electronics. You know, you've got the rise of people having home offices, working from home. We've got fridges that can tell you if you've run out of milk and dishwashers that you can mm. connect to your broadband. You know, we've got all of this technology and we've got to think that our electrical system in the UK it doesn't move as fast as our technology does. I yeah. mean, even me, I've been in the industry for, what, 10 years now. And compared to a lot of people, I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but the way we've seen technology move in just that 10 years, I mean, if you extend that out to the last 30 years, if you think of just a TV you have in your house, you've gone from these TVs with massive back boxes, you know, you needed your mate to help you lift it to move it around the room. They come attached yeah. to big TV stands. They were not made to move. To these tiny little LED screens that we can just attach to a wall, you know, um, the standard of our technology is moving on at such a rate. We've got to sort of bridge the gap somewhere between our electrical supply and that technology that we're now using and relying on. Yeah, and I suppose one thing to, you know, we, we talk about the safety versus cost kind of things sometimes in our trade, Kirsty, but actually the cost of these things isn't, isn't that much. Like it's not hundreds of thousands of pounds, is it, when we look at a, a standard SPD for a domestic setting? What would we be looking at? Like a ballpark figure? Um, I think our standard domestic, you're looking somewhere between 40 and 50 pounds, depending on where you yeah. go. It's... Yeah, it's a bit of a no-brainer, isn't it, really? That's it. And it's the same when you move over to sort of protecting an EV charger. Um, I like to see surge protection fitted in EV charger ports for a couple of reasons, especially when you've got things like your um, loss of neutral devices, because although they're designed there to detect a raise in voltage, they're there to detect it over a period of seconds, yeah. not the milliseconds your surge device is there for. So they can actually be damaged by surges. Um, and then in a loss of neutral situation, they may not function in the correct way. So surge protection for them sort of installations is critical. And you think the cost of an EV charger, you think the cost of, you know, your actual car, and then you've got the safety aspect as well. That 40 to 50 pounds is an absolute no-brainer on that. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And it's interesting you mentioned earlier um, about solar PV because we recently um, had a stand at Solar and Storage Live, which is a brilliant show. And we had a rig there. And one of the conversations I was having with a lot of installers was one, because we had a rig with, with solar um, sorry, with surge protection on the AC side. And obviously in 712, it tells us that if it's on the AC side, we need to fit surge protection on the DC side. And we had both, but then it opened a whole can of worms. If, oh, you don't actually need it. But again, like we've just alluded to, you know, an inverter, for instance, you know, there's a big cost there. I think we'd agree. Very big cost, yeah. Yeah, and what, you know. Consider the biggest, one of the biggest things that can damage an inverter is overvoltage. They're very, very sensitive technology. That's how it does. That's how it does its job. It's very, very sensitive controls. They're getting more sensitive now. We're going down the route of microinverters, you know, and all these types of things. True. Um, you've got these high voltages being produced by your um, by your solar PV. That's their job to produce this electricity. And you've got to consider it's not just the risk of lightning striking the building. Because I was quite surprised to find out, you know, that the risk of lightning striking your installation is not increased by having solar PV. Now, 
in your brain, you'd think if you're strapping that into the roof, you're increasing your risk, but actually there's no higher Mm. risk. Um, But you've got to think if you've got any high trees nearby or you have um, power lines running over your house or you have um, even a helicopter go by, you know, you've got all this risk of induced electricity. And you've also got things like cloud to cloud lightning. It's not just the risk of lightning directly striking your home that can cause these sort of over voltages. And as we say, these devices are not a lot of money and it's protecting very, very sensitive electronic equipment as well as protecting from a safety point of view. Yeah, that's interesting that you talk about. We all think in our heads with transient over voltage, a, a direct lightning strike, but like you've just pointed out, it can come from many other sources. I remember back on, you know, on my time on the tools in commercial industrial buildings, you know, switched over voltage was always a big thing to again could damage IT equipment. So we need to consider it from other sources, don't we? Not just ah, oh, there's no there's no lightning in our country. They've took that out of the regs now, so we can all forget about it. That's no, it. No, that's I really good. People, um, one of the biggest sources of surges you'll have in an installation is switching surges. And I always explain it, it is as simple as turning a light switch on. Every time you turn a light switch on or off, you create a surge in the system. Anytime any piece of electronic equipment turns on or turns off, it creates a surge. Even things like your fridge compressor kicking in, turn your washing machine on, they all create surges. So when you go into larger installations where you've got lifts, you have air conditioning units, you know, you have any of these sort of equipment without even going anywhere near lightning and us getting involved with 62305, we have such a high amount of over voltage that can be occur inside of installation. And where we see that a lot is where you have older installations, um, especially industrial installations, where you've maybe got older, electrically dirty equipment, I like to refer to it as, and they'll go in and decide to, you know, do a cost-saving exercise and install all these brand new LED lights that have got really sensitive drivers. And they can't understand why the LED lights don't last their 100,000 hours or something they're supposed to be. Um, But the machinery turning on and off is producing overvoltage, which is just degrading the equipment so the big thing is obviously lightning blows things up and we see it quite instantly surges instead degrade electrical equipment over time so we we don't see it as one big bang and you're done it's that degradation over time yeah yeah we're just really we're protecting our electrical installation aren't we from all angles which it was like we said earlier could only be a good thing Kirsty, you touched on earlier in the intro sort of how these things work you know by by recognizing that the resistance and putting that down to uh, you know down to earth to get rid of that um Tell us a little bit more about the different types, because I'm thinking in my head, standard domestic, we're going to f- always going to fit a type two, something that goes in the consume unit. Is that pretty standard, would you say, for domestic situations? Generally, for most domestics, yes. Where it gets a mm. bit more complicated is if you have a domestic that's supplied by an overhead supply. Uh, so an overhead supply is a lightning risk. So therefore, you can't just put a type two on it, you know, your standard surge protection. If you walk into a, a wholesaler and you ask for a surge protection device, they will hand you a type two. You go and buy a consumer unit, it will have a type two fitted if it's got a surge protection device in it. So if you've got an installation that's supplied by overheads, you need a type one device. Now it will have the type two element in it, so it'll still protect you against your surges, but it'll have a large enough capacity that it will also handle a direct lightning strike to that overhead supply coming into the installation. They should always be installed before the consumer unit. And so I always suggest installing Henley blocks um, and wiring it in parallel from Henley blocks rather than in your consumer unit. Because to be quite honest, if you installed your Type 1 in your consumer unit, the electromagnetic effects of the lightning, by the time the surge protection device has done its job, is going to have fried everything else in your board anyway, especially if you've got any electrical components like your RCBOs, stuff like that. It'll, um, you'll have damaged everything in there. So 
for lightning, we want to deal with it as close to the income route of the property as possible before the yeah. consuming unit, and it has to be a type one. Type one, and we also get type threes. The type three device is designed to go and protect a specific piece of equipment. So we do a type three device. Um, it's a three two double oh six is our part number for it, but it's a little matchbox size thing um, with three wires sticking out that is designed to go behind a socket or designed to go in a fuse spur and it's there to protect that specific piece of equipment doesn't protect the whole installation but it's there just to protect the end line equipment. okay so we've got a type one type two type three and like you say generally not a, a, a written rule but type two would be most domestic situations like you say if you were to go to an, a wholesale and say right i need a you know a, a modern fuse board would almost automatically almost sometimes come preloaded with this stuff in it i would have thought yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and, and just on that, I suppose the modern consumer these days, you mentioned the two up, two downs. That was my history of <laughs> house bashing for want of a better word, or although I do, I do get told off for using that phrase, but when we used to do a lot of rewires for housing associations and stuff like that, traditionally you did have like, you know, four or five circuits in a domestic property, a modern consumer unit is just packed out with, you know, never mind split load RCDs, RCBOs, MCBs. Now we've got AFDDs, but also we've got to consider uh, SBDs, but they're only a single kind of moduled, Kirsty, are they? The Type 2s? Pretty yeah, small. Quite often they're a single module device. Ours is a single module. Obviously, different manufacturers, They some of them used a double module unit. Um, yeah, so the, the thing we've got to consider, I think, mostly with modern consumer units is we've got to consider this heat dissipation. You know, people like to group their circuits. They like them to be tidy. They like to put all their 32 amps together and then all their, you know, 20 amps together and then all their 6 amps together. And they don't consider, okay, your 32 amps might be loaded all the time and you're putting them all together and you're putting them all next to the main switch, which is always loaded. Um, yeah. I always think when I look at, you know, on Instagram and you see them on LinkedIn and I absolutely love it. I love how tidy it looks. I think, oh, be a bit careful with that. And, you know, then they've zip-tied their cables together so they all look tidy. Oh, zip-tied. Nice. <laughs> used to drive me mad. Zip-ties, couldn't <laughs> test it. But you're quite right. I mean, from my college days, that's how we were taught. Next to the main switch, you went with your higher loads and yeah. and you work down to your lighting, you know, your 10 amp or your 6 amp. But that's a really good point because the more these, um, more the consumers get loaded with different devices, not just our MCBs and our our load base circuits, we have got to dissipate that heat, haven't we? You're quite right. It's it's a good point. Yeah, we, we're doing a lot of uh, a lot of talks at the moment with our members on that particular subject. Yeah. So finally, Kirsty, um, if we need all, more information on surge protection in general, or particularly your devices, wh where should we head? You've got a website with some good resources on there. Yeah, so you can head to literally Google surge protection devices, and <laughs> we come up um, right at the yeah. top. Um, so yeah, I'll, you can head to our website, searchdevices.co.uk. What we also have on there is, you know, my bit is always the training. I don't do much of the, the sales as we were saying right at the beginning. I'm not, not very good at the sales. I do the technical. Um, so I have a full technical section on there. So I've got different articles I've written for people like Nate Pitt, people like professional electrician, all these things. I always put them on the website. Um, and there's a link there that you can ask me direct questions. There's a full training academy where you can log in and there's, 10 different modules, which breaks down all different aspects of surge protection and um, I've pre-recorded. They're all 10 to 15 minute long each and goes through all different aspects of surge protection and everything you want to, everything you could possibly want to learn about surge. Um, and as I said, I'm quite friendly. I'm always happy to speak to people. I always say it doesn't matter what color device you fit in because ours obviously are luminous yellow. Um, I don't mm -hmm. mind which devices you fit in. If you've got a question about surge protection, 
always feel free to ask me because I'd rather things were done right um, than were done by a particular colour. Yeah, and literally, I have signed up as well. I've literally registered <laughs> this morning, so I'm going to be the one dropping those questions in to get my understanding better. But Kirsty, thank you so much for today. It's been really, really informative. And um, yeah, thank you for your time. And we look forward to working with you in the future and see you at a show soon, hopefully. Definitely. Thank you very much for having me, Steve. So thanks everyone for watching or listening and to another What's Current uh, podcast from Napier. And we look forward to seeing you on the next one. Bye-bye for now.